Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode of the Human Centered Leadership Podcast. Uh, I have with me in the studio today a very special person who I recently met, uh, but was blown away by all the things that he's done. But more importantly, after a, a long conversation, as it turned out, we realized that uh, we had such similar views on leadership. Uh, and these have been tried and tested. These are not just theoretical uh, viewpoints that we have. Uh, my next guest will demonstrate to you how he's applied his thinking and his values around leadership and what results he's got from that. So as you know, the Human Centered Leadership podcast is really about um, bringing emotional intelligence into practice, demonstrating to the world out there how important and how powerful emotional intelligence can be if you embed it into your cultures and into your leadership thinking. So my next guest is Dr. Spencer Pitfield, OBE. I've read uh, Spencer's uh, CV, essentially, and he has been such a busy man over the past two or three decades. Uh, he's been involved in everything. Uh, the one specific area that we will be talking to him about is his work in a charity called Pace, uh, but he has done so much more. So I'm going to allow Spencer to introduce himself. Welcome to the show, Spencer. Cool. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here and it's lovely to speak to you and obviously your, your listeners on the podcast. Well, it's great having you here. Spencer, I mean, I, I can't even do it justice. Would you mind just giving like a, a bit of an overview of all the incredible things that you've been involved in? Yes, uh, I, I've, I've lived a busy career, cool over many years. Uh, I started off as a professional musician. A few would know that, but I played in professional orchestras, travelled uh, the world. Uh, then after being a professional musician, of course, that's about a team. It's about playing with 85 other musicians. I then uh, got to work at the Purcell School of Music, a specialist music school, uh, taught for 20 years and was very blessed in being able to teach some of the finest young musicians, particularly in our country and from overseas. And that was a great uh, pleasure. And then most recently, the last four years ago, as you said, I've been the I was the CEO of a charity called Paces for young people with cerebral palsy and adults with motor disorders. What an incredible role that must have been. But Spencer, you know, as I look through uh, all the incredible things that you've 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 been involved in politics. Yes. Uh, you have been the governor of literally all the uh, NHS foundation hospitals yes. across Sheffield. That's correct. Managing, I think it was, was it a billion pounds worth yes. of uh, budget yeah. across these five hospitals? I mean, that's incredible responsibility. I don't even know how to ask this question, but what has inspired you in your life to reach to for the very highest levels of echelons, will I say? Cool. I think it's a really good place to start because it's about as a, as a leader, as an individual, as a person who's wanting to affect positive change. You've got to be 
uh, emotionally connected with what you're doing. And all of the things that I've done in my life, they've really been about wanting to make that difference. Now, we all want to make that difference and we can all make that difference in whatever we do. But it has been about wanting to help particularly people who uh, would like to get better in their education or indeed people who are disenfranchised, trying to get a, a, a situation where we can do the very best given the means that we have before us. And I think this links in nicely to what we're talking about today because it's all about how do you get the very best and like you, I believe that that's about people and it's about being emotionally centred in the way that you approach leadership and that gives the best results i feel given all the incredible positions that you've held if there was one common thing that you'd say has helped you to be successful in those mm. roles what would it be for you yeah i think it's really an understanding that everything begins with the people that you work with and uh from a young age they've never been uh, staff uh, uh, people that I work with, their colleagues. We work with colleagues in a team and it is about people. And it's about understanding what makes those individuals tick. It's all about the family around them and the work environment. Uh, but it's all about uh, people and about good people coming together to try and do the very best in whatever they're hoping to achieve. So it's been very much a people-centred uh, life and work experience. Um, and I do believe that if you get those things absolutely right, then the sky is the limit for what you can achieve. But it is at its heart about uh, people. And of course, people are complicated. We're all complicated. We have all sorts of things going on. Uh, you come into work on a Monday morning and you've had a difficult weekend at home with the family and then you've got to start to do things. So, so it all starts with people and understanding what makes them tick and who they are, but very much also understanding their heart, their emotional centre, and why they come to work. And I really do believe, I've always believed that people come to work. Of course, we come to work because we need to earn some money to pay our mortgage and all of the other things. But people uh, come to work because they want to do good. They want to, to improve things. And that can be for government. It can be in an educational setting. It can be a private sector setting. But you come because you want to make things better. Yeah, you know, I love that. I, I'm minded, um, Spencer, of a management model way back when that I was taught about theory X and theory Y leaders. And they used to say that uh, theory X leaders were the type of leaders that, that believe that people were only motivated yeah. by money. And theory Y leaders fundamentally believed what you've just said, that, do you know what? Most people actually want to do a, do a good job wherever they go. They, they, they want to have a sense of fulfillment in the work that they do. Uh, so, you know, inevitably it leads to a greater level of trust in the staff that work for you. But also it's about developing trust with the staff as well so that they, they trust you. I, I very often talk about in, in healthy cultures, in healthy organisations, there is this foundation of trust that goes both mm. ways. What, what What's your thoughts on trust in the work? Yeah, I mean, trust is critical. And, and just to touch on the fact that I agree with you, uh, cool, the best, the best employed colleagues are, are not there for the money. The money is a sort of, it's something that comes along with the role, but they're not driven by money. And, it, and, and that's really important. They're driven by something which is inside and it's to make that positive uh, uh, difference. Trust is, a, is a, a critical issue because you cannot succeed as a leader without trust. And uh, 
People talk about building trust, but I, I would say that trust is almost an innate thing which should be there from the moment that you as an individual start to work with your colleagues in the team. And that really comes initially from uh, the decisions you make together and how people see that you follow through on those decisions. But then there's something deeper and it's about you as the individual. It's about you as the emotional self. What kind of person are you, Spencer, as a leader? To people... I suppose, like you, do they do they share your values? Do they connect with you as a human being? And I mean, that comes through in all sorts of different things. You know, what did you do on the weekend? Well, I, I ran for a charity and we raised some money because we care about this. Or I helped my family because, you know, I have a family member who's poorly at the moment. These things overspill into your work environment. And almost without the knowledge that people are doing it, we're all looking at one another. We're saying, well, what do we think of Spencer? What kind of person is he? Does he absolutely live and you know follow through the kind of things that we believe are important? So, so trust is absolutely at the centre of this. And then I would say, cool, absolutely, it's, it's that emotional centre. I talk about the, the head, the heart and the gut. The head is fairly straightforward. It's a kind of, it's a no-brainer, as I say. You're going to make the right decision, you believe, using your intellectual forward sort of front lobe to make that decision. The heart, it becomes a bit more complicated because there's that, that heavy emotional element there and then you've got the gut sitting below that. Of course, if you get all three in alignment, then you're rocking and rolling. It can only be fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But what, what you're saying there, Spencer, uh, in, in amongst uh, this, this issue around trust is that human beings are very, very complex because we all have complex lives. There are so many different facets that drive us as human beings throughout our entire lives. Uh, and and if something is not quite where it needs to be, it can affect our, our uh, outward yeah. performance. Uh, so part of being a, a human-centered leader is actually taking on more of a challenge, I guess, because it's, it's, it's saying to yourself as a leader, I am prepared to navigate my way through the complexities yes. that make up human Absolutely. beings. But on the flip side, these complexities are also the beautiful diversity that makes us up as Absolutely. human Absolutely. Cool. Just to pick up yeah. on that, you have to address those. You can't. I, I've met some leaders in my life who've just walked on by those more personal of things. And, and I don't believe that you can as a leader. I do believe you have to be aware when a person's having some profound difficulty in their life, there is illness in a family member around them. You cannot just walk by. And this is, this is really where that emotional-centred approach lies because clearly you've got to do the job. The day job is about together succeeding and moving things forward. But in order to do that, the people around you and the people that they work with, because it's not just about you working with the colleagues that are around you, it's the team that they then work with and about how those people who are working with that next colleague feel about them. And so it's really important that there has to be a humanistic understanding that sometimes things are difficult for individuals and you shouldn't just walk on by and not comment or give a few moments thought about that. I think the best leaders will be very in touch and in tune with the fact that this needs a bit of time. You know, this colleague is struggling at the moment and we need to just have a little chat. How can I help? What can I do to lessen your load a bit? Usually the reaction is an incredibly positive one because in our lives, 
people often race on by. The emails are going, the the phones going. That you know they're not taking that time. So so you are so right. You have to if you do want the very best outcome, not only for the organisation that you're working, but for the individuals around you in their teams, you've got to be very connected with that wider picture. I think that's so powerful. It's so powerful on so many different levels. It's almost like the Good Samaritan story here. Uh, and there's, unfortunately, in in this world, there's almost this expectation from people that uh, nobody's going to pay me any attention. If I'm going through some dark times, people will walk yeah. on by. And in those healthy organizations, what you're saying is in healthy organizations, leaders don't walk yeah. on by. Leaders yeah. with, as they say, with great authority comes great responsibilities. Leaders understand that responsibility yeah. and they will always stop and check uh, to see where that person yes. is. And, and, and for me, this is really about this see almost, almost like a fundamental skill set that good leaders need to have. And that's empathy. Yeah. So what does empathy mean to you? Yeah, I th- I, absolutely. I would say this is this is critical, and it, empathy is is so very important because you can show on a very in a very one dimensional way some support for an individual who is struggling, but that isn't an empathetic approach to those issues. It, this requires a greater depth. So for me, really, the the best leaders understand where they need to pitch the interface. And and they do this almost a second nature. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could just do it a second nature and not think about it? Of course, the rest of us, we have to think about this. We go home, we think about what's happened in the day and how we can make things better. But 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 that connection, that that absolute empathy and the sincerity of of the connection is very important, too. You know, we've all been around the, the school of leadership management greatness, which says you keep your door open so people can come in to see you do walk through the, the open planned office because they need to know that you're around. That isn't great or good leadership. Great and good leadership, those special moments that are not planned, they're not orchestrated and they are absolutely uh, clearly and sincerely uh, truthful in the way that they connect with colleagues using your analogy this is not just about walking from person to person or just making yourself visible this is about stopping and chatting and talking to people and getting to showing a real interest in them uh, as human beings and understanding where they come from what their likes or dislikes are what's going on in their lives what's going on as much as they want to share uh, what what their aspirations mm-hmm. might be I used to find it fascinating when I did, you know, walk arounds and I used to walk around and talk to all my staff uh, whenever I had the yeah. opportunity. Uh, and I found out that there were some incredible skill sets that people had that weren't on their CVs. That I wasn't yeah. aware of that could have been utilized elsewhere within the department. You know, there were people there with degrees in communication mm. and uh, and degrees in analytics and all of these incredible subject areas that I could have quite easily tapped into so consequently i was able to you know uh, second them into various pieces of work where they felt fulfilled and they were they were like the round peg in the round hole absolutely and i I mean it's clear that when people are enjoying what they're doing and particularly when they're connected when they have that emotional connection Mm. with what they're doing and that can be you know when i was a bit younger i did this course and i enjoyed this module and actually now my employer is asking me to do something not dissimilar. It fires people up. They get that emotional connection. And so all of the time you're thinking about as a team, as an organization, you know, how can we play to our strengths? How can we 
uh, be together in the best possible way. And I think that that comes back then called really very much for me to, to everybody being connected with the vision of what you're seeking to achieve. Now, in some uh, uh, organizations, so for instance, those I've just uh, stepped back from a CEO role of a charity, as you've said, that was very clear because we came in every day and we focused on the children and the adults. How are we going to get that better outcome for them and, and the, the things that will make them in a position that where they can achieve the things that they, they can and want to achieve? But in other yes. organisations, it's not quite so straightforward. If you're making plastic PVC pipes and they all look the same and they're fairly mundane, you know, how do you find that emotional connection with what we're trying to do? So then it's about really understanding, well, lots of our pipes go to places where they've got plenty of money, but maybe 20% of our pipes go to Africa where it's making sure people have clean water. And you, you know, engage with people on that very personal level where they understand that... Yeah. They, as a, as a part of the team, are making that really concrete difference to people's lives. So what you're saying is it's so very important to, to share with all your colleagues uh, why you're doing what you're doing. The, the ultimate goal, if you like, uh, of why we're doing what we're doing, whether you're delivering a service or whether you're delivering widgets, yes. Uh, that's that's a key key thing, and and the other very important thing that you've talked about today is, is our values. Now I go into all sorts of organisations. I work with all sorts of senior mm. leaders, uh, and I, I I cannot count how many times I have asked those senior leaders. So what are your values? And they'll inevitably they'll point towards some document on the wall and say, Hey, they're my values. Well, I say, Well, no, they're the organisational's mm. values. What are your values as an individual and how do your values align with those values? And I, I just feel that so many organizations don't do enough work around values so that people have a true sense of what values are or they don't test values when they are employed. Yeah, I, I think that's so right, Kula. And, and, you know, this idea that it's written down and those are our values, those aren't values. That's something that's been written down 15 years ago. Mm. As you say, how does that connect with the individuals who are seeking to achieve this now? And I, I always feel, and this is where it is so important to have these external independent perspectives. I, I always feel when I have the, the wonderful opportunity of visiting an organization or, or, you know, getting a better understanding and giving my thoughts and insights, if people are kind enough to, to, to listen to what, what I think, there's never been that headspace time. There's not that been that opportunity for the team to come together now I'm not talking about some structured every Friday afternoon we come together as a team and we go canoeing with one paddle backwards up the creek and that's a team but no, no I'm talking about just time where people can come together and really center themselves emotionally and, and just spend that concrete time where they can think about what they're seeking to achieve and how they're wanting to achieve uh, this. And this is where I think we need to be less formalized in the way that we encourage that, 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 you know, team together. This is not about sitting in a lovely bean bag that's pink in the corner under all sorts of, you know, lovely pictures saying that uh, I'm there to make the positive difference. And, you know, that, that, that's too simplistic for the world we live in now. Yeah, I, I agree. I was talking to a CEO only this morning and we were talking about these, these organizations and environments where, uh, you know, we've painted uh, desks in bright colors yes. or we have a track around the office where people can cycle on, or we created the, the sleeping pods or, or all sorts of fancy meeting rooms. Uh, and they say, hey, we're a very people-centric 
mm-hmm. organization. But then if you look at their policies, their policies are just the same as policies in, in many of the restrictive organizations that we, yeah. we see. So the, this facade that some organizations can create, and sometimes they create it to, to manage their own guilt complex, yeah. to satisfy themselves or convince themselves that they're being people-centric. Yeah. For, for me, that is not enough. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And you can't just buy these things off. You can't invest a few thousand pounds and you've got the track so everything is going to be okay. My analogy always is that it's lovely if you had a really good classroom. Of course, it's going to be great if you've got good chairs and tables and a lovely, you know, computerized screen. But that's nothing unless you have a high quality um, teacher who's emotionally connected and passionate about their subject uh, it doesn't really matter. You can have the lesson under a tree as long as it's not raining too hard. But if you've got that person, so you've, you know, you've got to make sure that the balance and the, the structure in these things is right. The last question I want to ask you today is quite a powerful one, really. Um, now, you've talked a lot about something that uh, we can only class as, uh, as leadership discretion, which I think would be a really apt phrase for this. Now, leadership discretion, I think, has to have courage involved within that, because more often not, you're making some uh, decisions that go against the policy, perhaps. And a good example of that would be when I've had HR advisors saying to me that a person who has perhaps been off sick for six months uh, I should go on to half paid, despite the fact that this person is going through some really tough times with their health. They want to come back to work, but their health is not allowing them to come back to work. Uh, what are your views on leadership discretion? Can you name a, a, a situation where you've had to override a policy, if you like? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just to, to deal with the, the scenario that you've uh, scripted there, Cool. In that situation, that individual needs to be supported. And usually in my experience, that whilst the guillotine might be coming down at the six months, they're not far away from getting back into full-time work. And they're trying their level best. So, so I'd be absolutely supporting that person to come back. If it meant that you had to go to the board and say, look, we need an extra two or three months to make this happen, I would hope that the board would be behind me as an individual to say that it's the right thing. We must support on full pay and get that person uh, back in. And it, So you do, you do need to... Rules are there. I'm not saying rules are there to be broken. Please don't misunderstand me. But rules are there, obviously, to set the framework. But good leaders work with the framework and they make sure that they support their colleagues and... It's so very important for me because that one individual, everybody in the the staff uh, cohort where that person works will be aware that that person is trying to come back to work. They will be willing that person to come back to work, wanting him or her to be successful. You can't send out a negative message saying, I'm sorry, you know, the guillotine's come down at six months. Um, so and then you've asked for examples in, in, in my own professional life. Yes, sadly, you do need to, to, to take difficult decisions on occasion. But I would always counsel all good leaders, take time, think again, take a few steps back, go sideways, forwards, two to the right, two forward. Think about whether you can do things in a, in a slightly different way. Never knee-jerk reactions, never quick reactions, particularly when it's about individuals and their livelihoods. Some really good sage advice there. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Spencer. It's been an absolute honour and uh, your wisdom will have hit home with so many of the viewers of this podcast. Thank you so much and we will see you again soon. Thanks so much, Cool. All best with you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. 
Take care. Have a great day.